turkey. In fact, turkeys are probably the only creatures that are not too happy about Thanksgiving. Norman Rockwell, the famed artist who did so much uh, artwork that graced the pages of the Saturday Evening Post, also did artwork for a sister publication of the Saturday Evening Post. Some of you may be aware of that if you were alive back in 1901. (laughs) It was called The Country Gentleman was that publication. And Norman Rockwell invented a, a cousin, a city slicker cousin. Rockwell grew up in New York City. He uh, invented a, a cousin, a city slicker cousin named Reginald, who would go to the farm to visit his cousins there, his fictional cousins. And that was the artwork that he used, various scenes of cousin Reginald visiting his cousins on the farm. And they would grace that artwork, that grace would grace the pages, the covers of The Country Gentleman. And there was one in 1901, I believe, that showed Cousin Reginald catching the Thanksgiving turkey. But it pictured the turkey chasing Cousin Reginald, who had an axe in his hand but was fleeing as fast as he could from a turkey that was determined to flog him and peck him, if at all possible. So some turkeys are tough. In fact, the late comedian Milton Berle said they had a turkey so tough one year that when they put it in the oven, it blew out the pilot light. And they have <laughs> That's a tough turkey. Ours was quite tender and very good. But as we think about thanksgiving, obviously the name itself suggests giving thanks. And the question I'd like for us to consider this morning is, is it too tough to be thankful? Do we reach a point in our lives where the challenges are so great and the, the struggles so intense that it's just become too tough for us to be thankful? Well, the Bible says no. In fact, as we think about it, the 100th Psalm, the 4th and 5th verses of that Psalm, extend to us an invitation to thankfulness, if you will. Where the writer says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him, and bless his name. Why? For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Oh, that's a powerful, powerful passage, powerfully reassuring passage, isn't it? The invitation to enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. In other words, be thankful to him at all times. Bless his name. Praise his name. Eulogize, if you will, the Father in heaven because he is good. What about his mercy? I don't have to wake up every morning and wonder if God is going to be merciful today as he was yesterday. His mercy is everlasting. He is constant. Nor do I have to consider whether or not the book that I hold in my hand will will change or that his will will change and that what I hold in my hand may not be sufficient, may not be current or relevant to my time. No, his truth endures to all generations. And the truth that I now hold in my hand, the New Testament of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, has been assured to be by the God of heaven, 
through inspired men, his final revelation of his will to man. And we know that we can know that truth and that will endure. And no matter what man may tell us about additional revelations, we can compare those additional revelations to statements in this book which tell us that there is no and can be no new revelation. But that this book, the New Testament of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, is complete, furnishing us completely unto every good work. The context is 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. And the Apostle Paul was a man who indeed had some tough times. And yet he wrote by inspiration something that he himself believed and applied. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ, through our mediator, our high priest, Jesus Christ. We offer thanks continually to God the Father. Now, where was the Apostle Paul when he penned these words? He was in prison, wasn't he? He was in prison in Rome. He was not only in prison, but he was there knowing that many of those who had claimed to be his supporters and his brothers in Christ, had abandoned him. He was in prison understanding that some of them were preaching Christ for the wrong reasons, trying to stir up trouble for him with their improper motives for so doing. And yet, he could write and believe with all of his heart that he had reason to give thanks. Dan Gully, an excellent writer, gospel preacher in my hometown, to whom I'm grateful for a bulletin article that uh, became the basis for my lesson this morning. Dan's an excellent writer. Dan, in that article, mentioned the Apostle Paul and, and posed a theoretical question. What if you could ask Paul at the time that he penned these words in Ephesians 5.20, is being in prison the worst thing? Is it a bad thing? Paul would say, yes. Is it the worst thing that could happen to you, Paul? Oh, he would respond, far, far from it. And then Brother Gully suggests that Paul's answer might be something like this. The worst thing in life is not being in prison. The worst thing in life would be to be in prison without being in Christ. That's a powerful statement, isn't it? Being in prison wouldn't be the worst thing, but to be in prison without being in Christ, that would be the worst possible situation. To be anywhere without being in Christ, that's the worst thing in life. And then Brother Gully made this statement in his article, no circumstance in life he, Paul, ever faced, whether prison or persecution or other pressures, ever found him unable or unwilling to express gratitude to God. And that should be the sentiment of every child of God. Living by faith, we have sung this morning, an appropriate 
him along these lines that no matter about the clouds overhead, no matter about the difficulties that we face, there's always reason to give thanks, even for the dirty dishes. A lot of dirty dishes are probably on Friday or Saturday or so. They may still be there in some houses. Well, what about our attitude toward them? An anonymous writer put it this way, Thank God for dirty dishes. They have a tale to tell. While others may go hungry, we're eating very well. With home, health, and happiness, I shouldn't want to fuss. By the stack of evidence, God's been very good to us. And indeed, he has. And that leads us to this beautiful statement from the psalmist in Psalm 68, 19, who very succinctly but powerfully said, Blessed be the Lord, who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. Blessed be the Lord, who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. Analyze this passage with me. Break it down and see what is contained in these few words in Psalm 68, 19. First of all, we see the source of our blessings. And don't we wish that everyone alive today appreciated and recognized the source of, of blessing? Blessed be the Lord. The Lord is the source of our blessings. James reminds us of that in James chapter 1 and verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. What a reassuring text that is. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there is no what? Variation or shadow of turning. In other words, that is a statement that tells us about the constancy of our God, about the consistency of our God, and that no matter what happens, He is going to be there and that He will bless us. He is the source of that blessing. But beyond the source of the blessing, Psalm 68, 19 also reveals the scope. And the scope is what? Loads. Who daily loads us. We often sing the song, Count Your Blessings, Name Them one by one, but really they're too innumerable to count if we are completely objective in our estimation of the blessings from God. There is always reason to be thankful because He daily loads us. And Ephesians 1.3 sums it up so beautifully where Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the spiritual realm, the heavenly places, in the church, in the church 
where all spiritual blessings are to be found, which is equated with in Christ. In Christ Jesus, in his church, we have every spiritual blessing. What a scope is set forth for us here. Colossians 2.10 further reinforces that, where the same writer, the Apostle Paul says, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. You are complete, where? In him. If it is true, and certainly it is from this inspired statement that we're complete in him, then the reverse must also be true, and that is that out of him we are what? Incomplete. If we're only made complete in him, then if we're out of him, we are incomplete. If we have never never entered into those spiritual blessings, into the realm in which those spiritual blessings are bestowed upon us, loaded upon us daily, that is in the church, if we've never been added to the kingdom, to the church, by obedience to the gospel, then we are incomplete and can only be made complete by rendering that obedience to be in Him, that is, to be in Christ. And to be in Christ, as we have often said, is equivalent to being in the church. To be in the church is equivalent to being in Christ. And you cannot have one without the other. The church was purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ, Acts 20, 28. The church which he purchased with his own blood. And to be in him is to be in Christ. But to be in him is to come into contact with that blood which he shed to purchase that church. And how is it that we contact that blood? For you are all children of God, Paul wrote in Galatians 3.26, by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ did put on Christ. If I'm baptized into Christ, where am I after I've been baptized into Christ? I'm in him. And Paul says, in him I am complete. I am complete. Therefore, how can we minimize, discount, and discard the essentiality of that watery burial where the blood of Christ is applied to cleanse us from every sin and to make us complete in him? And to rise from that watery grave, walking in newness of life with so much to be thankful for because of the loads of blessings that he bestows upon his children. Does he shield his children from every difficulty, every trial? No. He simply gives them the means by which and through which to deal with all of those trials. So that regardless of what is happening, there is never a time, as long as I'm in Christ, there's never a time when I can say, I have nothing for which to be thankful. It's an impossibility in Christ, isn't it? The scope is loads. And then the psalmist also reminds us of the schedule, doesn't he? The source is the Lord who loads us, but... What about the schedule? Every now and then we get a blessing from God. Is that what he says? Occasionally, if you'll wait long enough, God is going to bless you. No, he says, who daily loads us. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us. There's the schedule. It's daily. Reminds us of the model prayer in Matthew 6, 11, the portion of which is recorded for us there where 
Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, give us this day our what? Daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And the Lord in the great sermon on the mount, elsewhere in that great sermon, reminds us that we're to take no thought for the morrow. That is, we're not to be anxious about it. We're not to worry about it. But he assures us in Matthew 6, that if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added to us. No need to worry. Just work and be faithful and recognize the schedule by which God bestows the loads of blessings upon you as his child. And that schedule is daily. Well, what about the summation? The summation is seen in the statement at the end of this verse in Psalm 68, the God of our salvation. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. That's the attribution that is given by the psalmist to the one who bestows all these blessings. He is the God of our salvation. And everything may be summarized in that statement. Salvation, that's the key. God loves us. God is merciful to us. And all of that mercy, all of those blessings that are bestowed upon us are designed to ultimately lead to our salvation because of the reaction to those blessings properly seen and properly responded to is what? Love. Reciprocated love. For the one who loved us so much that he daily loads his children with benefits. He's the God of our salvation. And as we have him as the God of our salvation, there is something for which we must always and can always be thankful to the utmost degree because that's the most important thing in our lives. Salvation ultimately in heaven. Romans 1.16 reminds us that the gospel is God's power to save. I'm not ashamed of it, Paul said in that passage. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for, for it is the power of God for salvation to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. He's the God of our salvation. And even the physical blessings that he bestows upon us so abundantly should cause us to look heavenward and be thankful not just for those physical blessings but most of all for those spiritual blessings about which we've already spoken. And for the grace that is the ground of all of these daily blessings and the greatest blessing of all, salvation. Titus 2.11, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. That's how good God is. He's made salvation available to all men. Most turn their backs upon God's gracious offer of salvation. Most never come to realize that he is the God of our salvation, the God of their salvation, and so they fail to respond to his grace. They don't even look heavenward to appreciate nor to recognize the source of whatever blessings they have in their lives. And there are some blessings that are common to all men. He makes the rain and the sun 
to benefit all. There are certain physical blessings that are common to all men, and yet most men never recognize the source of them. Never appreciate the scope of the blessings available to them. Don't see that they're on a schedule of being daily provided. And tragically, they don't see what it all leads to and what the design, the summation of it all is. And that is that God wants us to be saved. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. 1 Timothy 2 and verse 4. And so, obviously, as we think as we should, we should thank God. To thank God on Thanksgiving is perfectly fine. And we should, but also on every other day of the year. Is it too tough to be thankful? Never. Not if we're thinking as we should, and not if we recognize the source of the blessings, the scope, the schedule, and the summation of all. And that is for our ultimate salvation. What about you this morning? Have you availed yourself of the blessings that come from God? And most importantly, the greatest blessing of all, the salvation that he extends through his grace, which is given to us in his word. You see, Titus 2.11 speaks of the grace that has appeared to all men. But as we read on in that text, we find what? The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, verse 11. But then we read on, teaching us that what? Denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present age. Does that describe you this morning? One who has responded to the grace of God by obeying the gospel and is living, one who is living soberly and righteously and godly to the best of your ability in this present age as you follow this book. If not, we plead with you to change that. And you can this very, very day. By obeying the gospel, believing that Jesus is the Christ, repenting of your sins, confessing Him to be the Christ, being buried with Him in baptism for the remission of sins, or by coming home to your first love if you've known those blessings about which we've spoken this morning, you understood and appreciated that the God was the God of your salvation, but you've lost sight of that. And you need to come home, repent. Let us pray with you and for you to the God who still desires to be and will be, if you'll let him, the God of your salvation. As we stand to sing, will you come?